Hey, welcome back coaches to Gotcha Coach, the podcast about coaching for coaches and presented by a real coach. I'm your host, Coach Rick, and this is episode eight, where we'll be talking about preparing your athletes. Oops, I I see a hand raised in the back of the room. Yes, you have a question. Yes, Coach Rick. Preparing my athletes for what? Well, that's a really good question, fake coach in the back of the room, which is non-existent. No, really, what do I mean by preparing your athlete? Well, I could mean preparing your athlete for the upcoming season, or I could mean preparing your athlete for a specific competition, or I could mean, well, you get the picture. There are many areas that we can discuss around around this subject. So buckle up and let's start learning some stuff. By now, you know that I like giving dictionary meanings of the topic word that I'm discussing. In this case, prepare or preparing. Webster's Dictionary gives the definition of preparing, a synonym of prepare, as to make ready beforehand for some purpose, use, or activity, or to put in a proper state of mind. If you think about it, this is the entire crux behind the job of a coach, no matter what level you are coaching. Even at the t-ball level of Little League, or the peewee level of football, or the nine and under level of AAU, USF, USFTA, track and field, you are preparing your athletes on a daily basis. Each lesson that you present should be one that makes them learn something. One that will prepare them for not only the next practice, but for all the practices to come and for the upcoming competitions. But you can also prepare them for something more than this. And this we'll go into in just a little bit. So every time you meet with your team for a practice session, you are the teacher and they the student, and you are trying to make them ready for an activity, the game, or competition. Each of your practices should have a main purpose behind them, and obviously they should be age and experience appropriate. I mean, don't try teaching a six-year-old soccer player how to head a soccer ball or an eight-year-old little league pitcher how to throw a curveball. Their little bodies aren't ready for that, and yet you can cause severe injuries for them for the rest of their lives. So don't do that. Before you can physically prepare your athletes, there has to be some mental and quite possibly some emotional preparation. This can be done in a few different ways. I would always explain to my athletes that I would never ask them to do something that was immoral, illegal, or that I hadn't done myself. It also helps if you can actually do what you're asking them to do so they can feel that you're not just all talk and no action. This can be a bit difficult, especially if you're an older coach. But I assure you, that the kids really get a kick out of watching an older coach 
try to get out of starting blocks. When I coached in Nevada, we always attended one big invitational meet where they had a coach's 100 meter and a coach's 4 by 100 meter relay. That was really getting the interest of the athletes as they watched their coaches actually run. When I coached at Lincoln High School, we would have a coach versus weight runners 4 by one relay at the end of any of our home meets. By the way, the coaches never won. These are just some of the ways that you can walk the walk when you're trying to gain their trust in what you're asking them to do. Special note, when I was coaching the Steppers, you know, the girls AAU track team in Tahoe, I was showing them how to do the Fosbury flop. Now, I was mm, 21 or 22 years old, about 25 years, 25 pounds lighter, and was much more flexible than I am now. And yet I proceeded to knee myself in the nose when I jumped over the bar. Believe me, blood is not a good teacher. Another special note. I was trying to show one of my high school teams how to do some of the active warm-up activities and proceeded to pop my hamstring. The kids really loved seeing the massive discoloration and bruising a few days later. They thought it was cool. I thought it hurt like H-E, well, you know, double hockey sticks. So be careful. Piggybacking on the mental and emotional preparation. When you get to the high school level, the biggest thing that I found and always tried to do with my teams was to communicate to them what and why we were doing something in practice and how these practices would prepare them for their activity. How did I do this? Well, first, I asked all of my event or assistant coaches to present me a season-long practice plan on a daily basis and then we discussed those plans and looked at the next at the meet schedule to see if their practice plan would fit the meet schedule. Once we coaches worked out the kinks, if there were any, we present the plan to the team. Speaking as an example of my season plan for sprinters, I'd start them out with an explanation as how I came up with the plan. I'd start out my first two weeks of our season with doing circuit-type running workouts that would get them running a designated dis distance or distances and then a certain type of exercise in between and then repeating the process for a designated time or distance period. Here's an example. Run a 200, do 30 push-ups. Run a 200, do 30 sit-ups. Run a 400, do 30 jump squats and so on. Another great early season workout is called the Big Ten. This is done on the football field. I usually let them take their shoes and socks off. And then they start out doing 10 reps of an exercise, usually push-ups. Run to the other end of the end zone and do 10 reps of another exercise. And continue counting down on your exercise until you get to one. Now, if I've done my math correctly, they would have run a thousand meters and done 100 push-ups and 100 of another exercise. So what is the purpose of these two types of workouts? 
It gets your athletes that have been sitting around all winter without attending your voluntary preseason conditioning exercises or sessions into some sort of overall body shape and prepares them for the rigors of your regular season workouts. Now, sometimes an emotional relationship between a coach and an athlete is necessary and can go a long way to preparing some of your athletes for productively producing results during practice and at meets. When I coached in Nevada, I had an incoming freshman sprinter who was suspended from school for fighting. When he came to me to tell me this, I had learned my lesson from episode six where I blew off another freshman spinner because I didn't know who he was. So I took this young man on a walk and talked to him about why he was suspended, and we talked about what he could be doing to prepare himself for when his suspension was over. It turned out that this kid was having issues at home, was extremely confused, and was only fighting because he was defending another student against some bullies. He thanked me for understanding and for just talking to him. He told me nobody had asked him why he was fighting. We formed a pretty good bond that day. By his junior year, this kid was a stud sprinter, but the crowd that he hung with during practice was dragging his effort level to a place that I just didn't care for. So he went for another walk around the track and talked and talked and talked some more. I told him that his friends were jealous of his success. And because they weren't getting the accolades that he was, they wanted to drag him back to their level instead of striving to rise to his level. I told him he needed to make a decision that would not only benefit him for the rest of the season, but would prepare him for his future after high school. And it may cost him some friends. Moving on to his senior year, and this guy was the top 100, 200 meter runner in Northern Nevada, as well as a member of our number one ranked four by one relay team. About three weeks prior to the league championship, he mouthed off to an assistant coach on the team and disregarded a direct order from that coach and did it in front of the rest of the team. Well, per my team rules, he was dismissed from the team. Two days later, me, the assistant coach, the athletic or athletic director, the athlete and his parents met to talk over the event. Unfortunately, the discussion didn't go well, and he remained off the team. Was this tough for me? Absolutely. How about the other four by one team members? Absolutely again. How about the athlete? You guessed it, absolutely. Well, a couple of years later, I friended him on Facebook, and one day I received an instant message from him. He was in training to be a Navy SEAL, and he wanted to thank me for the hard lessons that I had taught him and how it prepared him for what he was going through in his SEAL training. This is why I say that your preparation of your athletes 
can shape them in ways that have nothing to do with the sport you're teaching. And this, in my humble opinion, is more important than all the trophies and league championship banners that a coach can win during their career. I have been humbled by notes or letters handwritten by athletes thanking me for taking a real, genuine interest in them, being invited to graduation ceremonies and weddings of my former athletes, and even had one of my athletes suggest to their college athletic director that I be hired as a new track and field coach. Now, the NCAA runs a commercial where they estimate that only about 2% of Division I athletes go pro, but the rest go pro in something else, like medicine, law enforcement, manufacturing, science, etc. We, as coaches, help to prepare these athletes for the future each and every day that we are in contact with them. And I have enjoyed this part of my career the most. Now, I've done a lot of talking about preparing high school athletes while they're in high school. But as a high school coach, I know from personal experience that I wish pre-high school or youth coaches would be properly preparing their athletes before they get to high school. Now, I remember as, a, as I was coaching my oldest daughter in AYSO soccer, the year before she entered high school, I went to the high school soccer coach and I asked him what I needed to be doing to prepare these girls to join his program. His answer was simply, teach them the basics. I don't have the time to take to do that when they get here. When I was coaching high school track and field in Lake Tahoe, I had a good relationship with a middle school track and field coach, and I pleaded with him to teach his throwers the basics of the throws. These are, events are so dependent on technique and fundamentals that it takes too long to try to teach them these basics when they get to high school. The response I got from the coach was, but we're winning doing it this way. Winning? At the middle school level? Come on, man. Remember what I said in a previous episode about the misconception that practice makes perfect? No. Perfect practice makes perfect, and by teaching an incorrect method in any event only teaches bad habits, habits that need to be broken and retaught at a higher level where time is an absolute issue. In my opinion, we coaches owe it to the athletes that we coach to teach them the how-tos in any sport that we coach, not just to win, but to win by doing it right. It's kind of like when I was in math class in high school and the assignment was to solve the problem and show your work. And if you didn't show your work, like I did most of the time, you kind of failed the class and you were still wrong. Many of us coaches are not full-time teachers and have quote-unquote regular full-time jobs that put food on the table. And we coach for the love of the sport that we coach and for the kids that we coach. Sometimes our own flesh and blood, but most times somebody else's kids. We don't do it for the money, and sometimes the job can be thankless. But when we are blessed to have those experiences that I have spoken of, and believe me, there are more, 
it makes us want to come back and do it year after year. Now, before I close this episode, I want to tie some things from last week's episode on inspiring and motivating your athletes with another thing from tonight. There's a catchphrase being used on, a t- on TV by a nationally, lo- nationally known bank, and the phrase is, what's your why? This is a phrase that I had used for years with my high school track teams. Needing to know the why that you're out for the team, no matter what sport, goes a long way to not only motivating you, but helps the coach in preparing you properly so that you can achieve your why. Another thing that I used was to have the kids write down their goals for the season. We did short, medium, and long-term goals. And, borrowing from my 30-year hospital supply chain management career, told them that the goals had to follow the SMART acronym. That's S for specific, M for measurable, A for attainable, R for realistic, and T for time-based. It really doesn't do your athletes any good if if they set their goals as, quote-unquote, winning my event. Nor does it do any good for your athlete to set their goal as, quote, running the 100 meters in 10.5 seconds when they haven't ever broken 13. And last, I would tell them not to be a victim of the woulda, shoulda, coulda trap. Now, this is a song from one of my favorite Christian rock bands from 2003, Petra. The words I refer to are this, and I promise I won't try to sing them for you. Woulda, shoulda, coulda done this and that. Don't want to live life with another regret. Woulda, shoulda, coulda made another choice. I can see more the older I get. Woulda, shoulda, coulda said something more, but it's too late. There's a knock at the door. Woulda, shoulda, coulda won't change a thing. The here and now is waiting. I told them that they shouldn't go through four years of being on any team in high school and not giving their best every day. And then when they don't succeed, make the excuse that if I would have just worked harder and I should have listened to my coaches, and then I could have been more of a success. All of the examples fit both episode seven and this episode and could prove to not only be motivating, but can also serve to prepare your athletes for their future in or out of sports. I really hope that you're enjoying this podcast and that you're getting some of the insight and ideas that have worked for me through my 50 plus years of coaching. I'm really excited that this podcast series has been downloaded over 90 times from cities all over the USA and even in Japan and Singapore. Don't forget, you can email me with your questions and comments at coachrick53 at gmail.com. And you can find this podcast on Spotify, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and just about anywhere that you get your podcast. Until the next time, take care, be safe, laugh a lot, and tell someone that you love them. I'll talk to you soon.